This is the Movie Hall of Fame uh, for Thursday, October 29, 2020. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Nothing else to say. No. No. It's, <laughs> it's the fall of 2020, and that's Adam Hall, and I'm Nico, and we're your hosts. Hi, guys. What's up? Eh, I don't know. I don't know. Got nothing going on. It's a Thursday. What do you want? Are we about to, like, enter a real stinker of a program? Is that what's happening right now? It's your fault. Why? It's your fault. Why? You know how to pick them. Well, maybe it's not I'm your fault. I'm not picking anything. Maybe, no. no. Maybe it's not your fault. <laughs> the streaming services of America know how to pick them, all right? Don't start with me. <laughs> there are other things you could have talked about, I it's, suppose. It's my fault. <laughs> we had the, you had the gold opportunity to talk about Trout Mask Replica, and you went with this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to just shift gears now? We'll talk to Mass Replica. <laughs> want to just do this? Wait, is it now? No. I can't prepare for that. <laughs> What's up, man? Oh, it, you know, I'm, I'm fucking tired. Yeah. I'm really fucking tired. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I'm sorry you don't know how to plan your life. Because, oh, oh look who's talking. <laughs> <laughs> We're both tired. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Ugh. And I had to watch these movies, and like by the end of it, I'm just like, kill me. Were these not movies you were going to watch anyway? No. You weren't going to watch them? At- these w- are big movies. I was going to watch one of them. You weren't going to watch the other two, but like when Oscar season rolls around and they're inevitably nominated for Best Picture, you weren't going to watch them? Maybe not. Come on, bro. <laughs> you do by, a movie podcast. By then I might have watched them out of, uh, you know, obligation, I suppose. I was not going to watch them this quickly, though. Well, now you got them out of the way. And now you don't have to worry about it. Oh, God. Now you don't have to worry about it. Are we really going to talk about these movies? Of course. Oh, boy. These are major films. They're major films. Okay. <laughs> Just a thought for you. Okay, we're, so we're talking just modern movies today. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, you know, and I thought this would be an opportunity to take a little break. I was going to uh, give you a breather. <laughs> that was the intention. It's not that I had like a miserable time. I, I made mean, you watch five Pink Panther movies. I figured, okay, I'll give Adam the week off. He can just watch the shit he was going to watch anyway. No, I, I had a better time with Pink Panther. <laughs> oh, Lord. No, not to say that it, this sucked or anything. It was just like, God, like, like I could. That's why I couldn't do Borat. Right. I didn't watch Borat because I was like, no, I'm burnt out. I don't I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. OK, so uh, here's a note that I want to make. All right. I did some research okay. and I looked back 10 years, five years and one year at the American box office. These are the films October 29th. Oh, God. Of each particular year. These are the films that were on top at the box office. If you went to your local okay. cinema, you could have seen these movies or all of them in one day if you wanted to. Oh, Jesus. OK. OK. I'm excited. October 29th, 2010. Top of the box office. Saw the final chapter was number one. Okay. Paranormal Activity 2 was number two. And then here you go. Red. Good action movie. Bruce Willis. Helen Mirren. Mm hmm. Uh, who else is that? John Malkovich also in that movie, yep. right? Yeah, good movie. Jackass 3D. Oh, I like Jackass 3D. The Social Network. Oh, The Town. Easy A. Inception. <laughs> the other guys and Let Me In. That's not bad. Not bad. That's not bad. It's a good afternoon if you want to spend it all at the at the uh, movie theater. Five years ago, October 29, thousand and fifteen. The Martian, number one at the box office. Oh, yeah. Followed by Bridge of Spies at number two. Good movie. Good movie. Crimson Peak. Never seen it. Zach loves it, though. Loves it. Steve Jobs. Okay. Ooh. Good movie. I love it. I like it, too. Unapologetically. And I don't care who knows it. That's not a bad movie, Nico. <laughs> I don't care who knows it. People kill the Steve Jobs. It's not a bad movie at all. Not at all. Sicario. Wow. Black Mass. <laughs> Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Okay. Pretty good. Another good weekend. Really good. 
Last year, October 29th, 2019. What was this? Joker, number one at the box office. Okay. You also could have seen The Lighthouse, Parasite, Hustlers. Oh, my God. The Lighthouse was already a year ago. What the hell? Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Ad Astra. (laughs) All at the movies. Not bad. This year. What do we got? What do we got? October 29th, 2020. I'm going to read for you number one to number 10 at the domestic box office this weekend. I'm not making this up. Number one, Honest Thief, starring Liam Neeson. I've not got gotten a chance to see it but i need to you will and i apologize number two the war with grandpa (laughs) which is a film that stars robert de niro and an eight-year-old i think that's correct okay number three is the empty man do you know what that is nope do you know what two hearts is that's number four no okay uh number five is the adams family the animated film (laughs) re-released where's tenant no tenant number six is the new mutants (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no number seven is unhinged russell crowe oh my still god. at it oh my god number eight is a movie called after we collided number nine is love and monsters and number 10 is the kid detective wow. no tenant in the top 10 wow what a difference a year makes wow holy shit here's my point that i want to make for you okay. because we're about to talk about a sofia coppola movie that is available on apple tv plus mm-hmm an Aaron Sorkin movie that's available on Netflix and a David Byrne concert film that's available on HBO Max. <laughs> yes. I miss the movies. Yes, of course you do. How could you not miss the movies? This sucks. Let me tell you this, how much this, I hate the, movie. the, the, this, the movies. This is awful, Nico. <laughs> Fuck this year. <laughs> Let me tell you how much I miss it. Like, if you told me the French Dispatch was available tomorrow, I would rush to the cinemas to see it. I would drag you to the cinema. <laughs> I I am missing a Wes Anderson film. Of course. Give me some Wes. Give me something. Yeah. I just want to talk about something. I want to argue about something. Yes. I want to, you know, I want to read reviews about something. Not- I want to sit in a parking lot with you for three <laughs> hours after a movie and yell at you about it. I, it's making me miss Midsummer. Yes. I want that again. I miss it all. Yeah. I miss all shades of it. Yes. Black, white, you know, big or small, horror, comedy, drama, I meant period piece, whatever. It invites that conversation, though. That's the thing. It's, it's part of the experience. And we've lost it. We've lost it. We lost it. Yes. I want to see the French Dispatch in a theater. I'll, I'm going to try. You know? I'm, I'm going to try. When, when it, it, is Who that, knows? Has that been pushed? No. It, yes. It, okay. Yes. Okay. It's been pushed several times. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. Everything's gone. This is a non-year. It's a non-year. I don't count anything. I don't care about anything because this year doesn't care about anything. Do you know how pathetic the top 10 podcast is going to be this year? Oh, my God. I, I, I <laughs> My list, I think number one currently is The Vast of Night for wow. me. Wow. I think that's still in my top five. I don't think I have it at one, though. Number three is... Uh, um, um, Defy Bloods. Wow. I think four is The Invisible Man. Damn, dude. And I the, even miss that. Yeah, me too. I miss The Invisible Man that in was theaters. A, that was a great little theater experience. Yeah. I want that again. Sure, give me more of those. Give me Bloodshot. <laughs> I think it might still be playing. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> By sheer willpower, they've been forcing that thing in. <laughs> Whatever it takes, man. By the way, it's to speak about Tenet, it says a lot about that movie, the fact that it's not in, in the runnings anymore. Crazy. 
It's crazy, man. It's craziness. That movie fumbled on its face. Yeah. And it's amazing how Warner Brothers is still trying to like be like, well, you know, it, we're still happy we did it. It didn't really work out, but you know. Sure. It's like, you're so pathetic. <laughs> you know, it's like Quibi. It's like, oh, if only this virus didn't happen. <laughs> People will be willing to pay six bucks a month for Chrissy Teigen as a judge. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Literally go to hell. Yeah. No, that movie's just bad. It's just bad. Now, I acknowledge it would have made a lot more had theaters yes, sure, sure. been what theaters had been. I don't think it would have done that much better. Yeah, probably not. It's still a Christopher Nolan movie. I don't know. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Bad word of mouth, man. Anyway, so here we are talking about movies. Yes, we're talking about movies. We're trying so hard yep. to talk about the movies of 2020. And uh, we're going to do it. 2020 is not helping us out. This is the issue. No, not doing us any favors. Yeah. So don't get mad at us, people that we're talking about these movies. I'm sorry. (laughs) So, um, okay, let's do this. Oh, oh, I need to catch you up. I did watch some other stuff. Did you? Yeah. What did you watch? Thank God we didn't talk about these. (laughs) So I did watch Borat 2, unlike you, uh, watched it opening night because I was very curious about the Rudy Giuliani thing. Yeah. Um, I've talked about this in the past. I don't get Borat and I don't get Sasha Baron Cohen and I feel like a snob when I say it like I it's not that I'm too good for Borat I don't feel like I'm smarter than Borat or I'm classier than Borat or that my brand of comedy is just a degree higher than Borat like I can laugh at a dude in a jockstrap me too you know what I mean? easy no problem my wife is a funny line absolutely but you can't get behind come on ego you can't get behind uh a fat man sticking his asshole into sasha baron cohen's face no it's all good it's all good okay i don't fault you for laughing at it and i will acknowledge <laughs> i watched several parts of borat too and i laughed out loud there is a scene in this movie where the uh, there is uh i forget what his position is he's like the the chancellor of of Kazakhstan or or something along those lines maybe like an economic minister and that uh that figure is a monkey and they uh. try to get that <laughs> monkey overseas to Mike Pence but en route to the United States Borat's daughter sneaks into the crate with the monkey and then eats the monkey <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny and there's some you know there's some good shit in there um i just i just don't get the practical joke thing i don't get the guerrilla filmmaking comedy it just has never made sense to me and i always just felt bad for these people yeah i know i mean i think i i get what he's trying to do so i get it in that way i just think when you like sit back and think about these people and their reactions you you ha- you can't be i don't know you can't read it the way he's reading it right. honestly because i i when i actually did see the rudy giuliani thing and my reaction was quite literally like how is this being viewed as like like the guy spoiler alert like legitimately just rubbing his dick randomly like that yeah cuz i i'm being i'm being totally honest people, that was some creative editing certainly yeah i i i guess i, I just saw it and i'm like guys I, i'm being totally honest with you he was just tucking in his shirt yeah <laughs> that's all he was doing no right 100% and now that doesn't mean that he should have been in a room with a, yes. a journalist. <laughs> I agree. You know, in a bedroom having drinks after an interview, but but the fact that the movie tried so hard to frame it as him like like, you know, getting a little frisky. Yeah. Uh no guys, that's not what it was. Certainly not. And it, it and in a way it almost makes Sasha Baron Cohen slightly more pathetic for assuming that. 
yeah. and, and sad to just try to get that out of his subject. I, I, I don't know. There's something just kind of gross about it. Yeah. Well, he, first of all, he's trying to prove a point that I think is already explicitly clear. Do you know, like he's not, you know, breaking news when he says that. Yeah, Trump supporters, maybe the, you know, not the classiest human beings on the planet, you know? <laughs> How about, but it's, it's, like, it's like politicians, though. Like, also, right, exactly. Like politicians, not, maybe not the best human beings. Yeah, Rudy Giuliani's yeah. a slob. You don't say. It's like, that's his job. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. Like, none of this particularly surprised me. I, I don't think he took a microscope to an issue that had, all not, had, had already not been magnified. That's the issue. It's like the kind of satire that like is just it's in the news. The news right. is enough satire as 100%, 100%. it is. 100%. Like, what do you what, what is this? Right. And in, in 2004, was that when the first movie came out? Like 2004, like 2006, that, yeah. something like that. I think it was novel. And I think like um, exposing anti-Semitism was a was a noble thing to do, I guess. I, I I've just never felt like the people that he catches on camera are guilty of anything other than they're trying to be nice to a foreigner that can't really speak English. Yes. And that that's the problem I've, I've continually had. Like if I was approached by someone like Borat, I would assume that either this person has a drinking problem or that he's just confused or that he has a mental illness and I'm just going to help him out. Oh, but you, you assuming he's confused and, and he has a drinking problem. That's all xenophobia, Nico. Yeah, I guess. I guess I would be another guy. I'm Borat. <laughs> no, I know. That's why. That's why you don't talk to people with. Or your movie funny could just mustache. Or your movie. Your movie could just say like that's not a bad. Th- not the xenophobia, <laughs> right? <laughs> the, the idea that you think maybe there's something wrong with this person, right? Maybe you could just explore the fact that culturally we have learning to do. It's not that we're bad people. Hundred percent. It's just not our culture. What do you want? Hundred <laughs> percent. It's like speaking to aliens. It doesn't matter. Hundred percent. I will say Maria B- Bakalova, I think her name is. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. Plays Borat's daughter in this. She is amazing in this movie. She's incredibly funny, and I think she has a bright future ahead of her. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Um, and yeah, there are some funny moments, and there are some cringeworthy moments. And it's another Borat movie. And I think like if you liked the first one, you're going to love this one. And if you're kind of mixed on it like me, I don't think you're going to care for it that much. And, okay. and that's that. I, I just don't get his shtick. I think he's a brilliant comic. I, I think like some of his premises are just hysterical and his character work is really good. Um, I don't think he's always proving, though, what he sets to prove, what he sets out to prove. I, I, I agree. Anyway, so, I watched want? Borat. Yeah. I also watched a movie last night called Rebecca. Oh, boy. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm just still waking up over Am here. I boring you? No, no, it's a yawn. I, I, just because I yawn, that doesn't mean you're boring me. It is a natural it's function of the body. It's that you're yawning right into the podcast, into the microphone. It's not like I'm going to yawn away from the podcast. Come on. You got to get that that juicy content in there. My yawns are special. I, 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 uh, I watched Rebecca. You directed Becca? Rebecca? I'm tired too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you directed that one. Ben Wheatley directed that movie. I, I was actually kind of shocked that he directed it, but okay. What's your take on Ben Wheatley these days? I don't know. Neither do I. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I when I was in England, people fucking loved him. Yes, loved him, loved him. They, we had an entire like like film production class, and there was just a, just a segment where they could not stop talking about him. Like the, the entire half of the class was just praising him for like ten minutes straight. Right. I'm like, uh, okay, okay. People love the Kill List. Uh-huh. People like the ABCs of Death. Mm-hmm. 
People don't like the Free Fire. I like the Free Fire. All right, all right. I'm into Free Fire. I think that's a fine movie. Okay. I think it's fun. I think it's like Reservoir Dogs, but a little more stylized. Yeah. But but now he's doing a remake of... Is it the Hitchcock film, or is Rebecca just an old story? I don't know. So Rebecca is actually based on a novel. Um, and so I think this is... Uh, let's see. The, the name of the author is Daphne de, de, de Meyer. De Mauer, who wrote, I think, The Birds, right? She worked with Hitchcock several oh, really? times okay. afterwards, yes. But this is based on her novel. It's a classic story. It's been made several times. I think it was once a BBC miniseries. And uh, the movie Rebecca in 1940 ended up winning Best Picture. It was a massive commercial hit. I've not seen Hitchcock's Rebecca. I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. Are you into it? Not really. Really? No, not really. I, I think it's a, a little boring. Really? Yeah, I, this is part of the reason why I wasn't jumping at the bit to see this one, because I, I, I think it's fine. You know, it, it, There's nothing egregious about it. It's, it's not like it's a poorly made movie. And Laurence Olivier is like kind of just okay in the movie. Okay. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, all, all right. It was actually my first introduction to Laurence Olivier, and I just sort of shrugged him off. I'm like, that's it? That's all you got? Oh, wow. And that it was, wasn't until I saw other movies like Spartacus and whatnot. I'm like, oh, he can act. He's a good actor. Or right. like him and Richard III, and he's just fantastic in that. And I was like, all right, all right, okay. I, I'm sorry, Lawrence. I'm sorry. I'm okay. sorry. You're, you're, you're amazing. You know who else is deeply whatever in the new Rebecca? <laughs> Henry Cavill. Yeah, I was going to say Army Hammer slash Henry Cavill. <laughs> it's Army Hammer, though. I'm looking at it right now. On the Are you sure, Nico? Positive. I thought it was Henry Cavill. I'm not sure that IMDb has the right name with the right face, <laughs> but I'm just going to read what it says in front of me, and I'm going to say it's Army Hammer. What a nothing performance. Really bad in this movie. Yeah. Was it a terrible movie, Nico? <laughs> um, No, it's not a terrible movie. Um, So I'm actually dying to see Hitchcock's movie now, because like... I, I know Ben Wheatley talks about this. This is not a remake of the Hitchcock film. I think they actually changed the ending in the Hitchcock film and they go with the original ending oh. from the novel and the new one. Um, he claims that this is a completely new take on the source material and that it's not meant to be an homage to Hitchcock in any way. But there are just several scenes in this movie, several shots where I'm like, this looks like it belongs in a Hitchcock movie. Really? This is ripped straight out of a Hitchcock movie. Okay. And I'm wondering if those scenes were in the original. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, I need to watch it to confirm that for you. Yeah. I think the, that movie's very forgettable, though. Okay. Like, to this day, like, I I don't, like, I have a general idea of what that original movie was about, but it just so did not stick with me. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's one of those movies that Scorsese cites a lot where he's like, uh, when when he talks about like the differences between like what's a fine story on, on the page, but like when the director takes over and does something interesting with the storytelling, then it becomes something more interesting. Yeah, and he compares like like Rebecca to uh, other films by Hitchcock, like say Psycho, and he's like, I like Rebecca like just fine. You know, I saw it and I enjoyed it enough, but. There's just something about it that that's just so indistinct with its storytelling. And even though it checks all those boxes after a while, it's just not very interesting anymore. And how funny is that, that the Academy chose to award Hitchcock just once in his career. And it's for the movie that you're saying is the least Hitchcock. Is it the least Hitchcock? Uh... I mean, from what I've seen, maybe yeah. there's some psychological elements that are very near and dear to Hitchcock. And I, I suppose that ending in the original is, is something he would pull off. But watching this one, it does feel like a Hitchcock story. I will say that. OK, because I think for the most part, I know I maybe I, I should rewatch it. But from what I remember, it was it 
felt strange that he had directed it. Okay. More than anything, but it is early in his career. He maybe had not had to- totally sunken into his groove. Yeah, I think that was like one of his first American movies, right? Like yeah. he had just been coming off of his uh, his British phase. Yeah, um, yeah. This movie's not very good. Um, it's not particularly bad. I think like the cinematography's quite lovely, and uh, I love the production design, and I love the vistas. Um, the problem is that we have two leads who uh, are on two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like army hammer is doing no acting and Lily James is doing way too much acting Mm -hmm. and they just never feel like they're in the same movie. All right. And that's a problem for a movie (laughs) about a romance um, and a psychological thriller about a decaying marriage. I just, uh, I don't know. I never bought their chemistry. I never bought they were in love. And that's just a problem that I keep coming back to with romantic movies like this one. And it's just always going to be a problem. Like chemistry is really the chief ingredient of a movie like this. And if you can't pull it off, like I don't care how lovely the vistas are. Like I don't <laughs> care how big this mansion is and I don't care how lovely the costumes are. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I just thought it was a totally empty movie. No, that's too bad. Yeah. I will say that when I saw the casting army hammer and Lily Collins, is that her name? Or Lily, Lily James, James, Lily James. James. Uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, that doesn't work for me. I know that's not going to uh, uh, sink in very well. Yeah. So. Lily James is doing so much fucking acting, man. Every two seconds, like her face is just going through a million different really? emotions. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like a bad Winona Ryder performance. It's like Winona Ryder and like Stranger Things, but it's that for the entire thing. Really? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Well, a lot of acting going on from, with her and no acting going on with Army Hammer. I had that funny a phenomenon similar to that. I was watching that clip from uh, a streetcar named Desire when the lead actress, I think, first meets Marlon Brando. Yes, and when you watch those two actors in the scene together, the I, I don't know uh, who the uh, who's the woman. It's is it is it Vivian Lee? Uh, yes, Vivian Lee. So Vivian Lee is acting quite traditionally, and she sounds like an actress of, you know, like that era, more or less. Yeah, old Hollywood. And hey, Busta! Kind of, but it's like sweet and fluffy, and it's like you're really playing to like the powdery elements of that type of cinema. Of course. Um, and Marlon Brando <laughs> is ripped out of 2020 and placed into that movie. Right, and is screaming Stella at the top of it, his lungs. But it's, no, 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 but it's like <laughs> shocking how much different their acting is. It's, yeah. He, he kind of makes her look like a fool. Yeah. And I'm just like, whoa, this is such an interesting examination of those two acting styles. Because I've never seen such a – here's the thing. The natural acting just just <laughs> really puts that other acting to shame. It, like, really shows just how, like, like false that other stuff is. 100%. Yeah, Brando, that happened with a lot of Brando yeah. movies. I mean, the nice thing about something like On the Waterfront is that you have Rod Steiger there, who is yeah. another – just legend of cinema and can sort of hold his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, by, by Brando's late work, everybody was trying to mimic Brando, but early on when he was just changing the rules of the game, it is very strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's like watching Wilt Chamberlain play basketball, like in the fifties <laughs> and you watch this footage and I'm like, wow, Wilt Chamberlain went for a hundred points in a game without the three point line. How did he fucking do it? And then you watch the footage of him on YouTube and he's just running past everyone and just dunking over their heads every single time. (laughs) And it's like, oh, yeah, I suppose if you're one of the great basketball players of all time and you're playing against Whitey, you know, Whitey McDonald or whatever, (laughs) you know, a bunch of like short white dudes. Yeah, I assume that. Yeah, you would dominate. Brando's (laughs) the same thing. 
That's not the case here, though. Lily no. James is not Brando. Okay. <laughs> Lily James is just acting too much, and she needs to settle the fuck down. Well, that's kind of Lily James, though. What do you want? Yeah. She's all right. I, I don't mind her. I like her. Yeah, I like her, too. Army like Hammer, don't care for that much. I like him and call me by your name, you know? Sure. Good in that movie. Yeah. I'm not going to try to name another Army Hammer movie. <laughs> I can name a few Army Hammer movies. What about the social network? Oh, right. Yeah. There's Winklevi. The, there's that. <laughs> there's that one. Winklevi. <laughs> the man from uncle. Right. As we love with, you know, a dual performance by Army Hammer. Uh, he is indeed in Free Fire. He is. I guess. What else is he in? I don't know. Oh, my God. The Lone Ranger. Oh, God. Yeah, that's right. That's not Henry Cavill. No, I. Okay, I'm not going to do this again. We don't have time for this again. I can't do this. We have to move on. We have to move. It's going to melt your brain. Okay, that's Rebecca. Not worth talking about. So we won't. No. What do you want to talk about first here? I'm going to let you drive the conversation. Uh, Let's go to Trial of Chicago 7. Okay. Trial of Chicago 7, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, starring just a, a stacked cast. Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Baron Cohen. Big, big month for for Sasha. Big month for him. <laughs> Jeremy Strong, John Carroll Lynch, Mark Rylance, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is back on our screens. He's back. Uh, Frank Langella. Yeah. John Dorman, Michael Keaton. Incredible right. cast. Very good cast, right? Who doesn't want to be in a Sorkin film? Um, yeah, no one, apparently. Yeah. No one. Um, okay. I take it you didn't like this movie that much. Eh. Okay. Uh, I, 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 the more I've been thinking about it, like when I, when I was doing my letterbox thing, I gave it a like, but the more I think about it, it's like, yeah, I didn't really care for this movie all that much. Right. I, I said it was like a very half-hearted, like, like maybe the most half-hearted like I've ever given a movie. Mm. I, cause I, I thought it was consistently okay at best and serviceable. I think the performances are fine with the exception of one. Um, I thought the writing was good, but I wasn't wowed by it as I was with other court dramas. Um, and I, I thought the handling of the story at times was fine, at other times horribly egregious. Uh, and I just kind of came out of it like this is this this is so safe. It's so watered down. Even when they're they're pretending like they're going to be edgy and you know, show the gritty reality of things here. They, they certainly don't go far enough. Um, and again, it's, it's sort of some of my shortcomings with Aaron Sorkin where it's like, he's just having fun with his toys and you know, this it, is Sorkin. It's like, eh, this is Sorkin for you. That ending was so <laughs> bad. And I was, I was talking about it. I'm like, th- this actually drops it down significantly. Like the, the audacity to do that. It's it's a problem. It's a fundamental problem with the yeah. movie. You walk out of it and you're just like, "Fuck you, movie." Yeah. How dare you do that? <laughs> so I, I, the best comment I saw on the internet this week was another Letterboxd review about this movie, and the guy said that Aaron Sorkin is much too good a screenwriter to have to work with a director as bad as Aaron Sorkin. And I think that is just Very a perfect tr- distillation of what we're we're bumping up against here. Did I, did I forget to say that the direction is so whatever? <laughs> it's bad. It's no, not it's good. Bad. It's not good. It's bad. The man is not a good director. And like, you want to give him a couple bites at the apple, right? You want to give him a couple at-bats before you start judging him and ju- judging the totality of his work. And this is only his second movie. And the man certainly has earned the right to direct a film of his if he sure. wants. 
you know, he's one of the great screenwriters of his generation. Um, but he needs to really get the fuck out the way, man. He's well, not good at this. No, not no, 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 no. This this direction is about as flat as it possibly comes. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, just, I was just like, why is this not a play? You did not convince me this needed to be a movie. Yeah. 100%, 100%. At all. At all. At all. And like, man, like in, in a way it it. It shows like when people say like like Sorkin is driving the movie when whenever he writes a script and, you know, the movie is in the, the script is adapted into a film. Uh-huh. His direction is almost case in point that, no, there's more to it than 100 percent. There's much more to it than that. I, I think like if you want to learn what David Fincher is good at, if you want to learn what Bennett Miller is good at, if you want to learn Rob Reiner. Yeah, even what Rob Reiner is good at. I hate to and say it. We've criticized Rob Reiner several times before, and you often think of him as like the most mainstream hired hand director of all time. But no, man, like you even see like Rob Reiner's point of view in uh, A Few Good Men, once you, or even in The American President. Yeah. When you watch a movie like this and you see this is what Aaron Sorkin would make if he was left to his devices completely, you know, if he was only left to his own devices. Um, and what you get is a pretty cliche, um, pretty flat, pretty corny yes. and somewhat offensive product at times. Like it's it almost pulls so many punches that uh, that that you're offended on behalf of American history. Yep. And Do you I, know what I mean? I said exactly the same thing in my review. Is like if you're going to handle this subject, you're not you 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 dare not pull punches. And oh my god, is this movie constantly doing that? Right. It's act- in fact there's only one punch in this entire movie, and that punch was made up. Didn't actually happen. Really? Yeah. Really? Really? Are you kidding me? Not kidding. <laughs> really? Not kidding. Yeah. Okay, that just makes it. Not kidding. Might have to change my review a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> this is really irritating. Because you're normally not the, you got to stay accurate to history guy. No, you don't. And and, and this, yeah, I and I, I had to specify that. Like, because I, you know, when you're, t- when you're making a movie, you, you, sometimes it's not always wise to keep as close to the book as, as you can. Because sometimes, I'm sorry, people, the reality is not entertaining enough. It's, huh. it is as simple as that. Um, that being said, if you're going to pull punches, do not make me roll my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> do not, do not make me look at this and be like, oh, this is the most movie-fied version of this story. Uh-huh. It's a similar issue like I have with Bohemian Rhapsody, as do you. We're yeah. just like, come on, guys. Seriously, that's the best. If you're going to change it, that's the best you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, you went with the most obvious thing, that kind of shit. Uh, and yeah, this is a pretty egregious example of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you entirely. Now, that being said, um, <laughs> I'm a crack addict. I know. I'm a junkie. It's okay. I'm a pathetic fucking junkie. And I'm here for you, Nico. You know, and all I want is my next fix. Yep. And this movie gave me that fix that I was craving. I went into it looking for an Aaron Sorkin script with some crackling dialogue, and I cannot deny that Aaron Sorkin can write a courtroom scene. Yeah. Oh, cer- certainly you can. Like there are some moments in this movie where I levitated out of the couch just because I was, I felt more alive, man. I, it was just an incredible head high listening to Aaron Sorkin just speak through his characters. And that's what's happening in every Aaron Sorkin movie. He has a specific point of view about this country, about this country's history and what he thinks we can do to make it better. And you can't, you don't always agree with it. In fact, most of the time I disagree with his point of view, but watching him use his characters as avatars to articulate that point of view. It's is fun. Always a load of fun. 
I love the newsroom. People can't stand the newsroom. I took so much flack for defending the newsroom over the years. That show is fucking badass, man. <laughs> I would take that show compared to all this other shit that's on TV right now. We're going through a really bad TV year as well as a bad yeah. movie year. I could use the newsroom every Sunday night. I would be there and watching it live. Um, that scene where Mark Rylance is in the courtroom and he's interrogating Michael Keaton and the oh, judge yeah. is, you know, uh, is exerting a level of bias towards Michael Keaton, trying to keep the jury from hearing his testimony. And Mark Rylance turns to the the stenographer and goes, are you good? And then begins asking a hundred questions in the next 30 seconds. I'm like, hell yeah, man. Like, this is just great Sorkin crosstalk, incredible energy. It, it's so alive. And that's what bothers me so much about his direction is because his direction is nothing alive about it. It's so flat and so dead. Yep. And yeah, you're, you're kind of left watching a play. And it also serves as a reminder that Aaron Sorkin did not set out to be a screenwriter. Like he wrote A Few Good Men as a play. He was a young playwright. The play was a massive success. He sold that thing as a screenplay and then just sort of fell into it. Like he just showed up on movie sets and ended up adapting, you know, other, um, you know, other popular works as screenplays and with the West Wing, that ultimately made him a screenwriter. Uh, but the guy is a playwright, first and foremost. Yep. In fact, speaking of Aaron Sorkin. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> speaking of Aaron Sorkin. Yes, yes, yes. HBO just did that West Wing reunion. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. Did you see that? Of course I saw it. How was it? Because the West Wing is one of my three favorite things that's oh. ever existed. Okay. It's amazing. Um, they, they shot this reunion. They just performed an old episode. But they didn't perform it on a soundstage. They performed it on an actual theatrical stage. Oh, really? And they used minimalist sort of sets to make it feel like a play, essentially. So it's an episode of The West Wing, and there's a desk, and there's maybe a door frame. And just these two characters will walk in, and it's a very minimalist setup. And uh, it is incredible how well West Wing works as a play. Yep. It's it's actually quite remarkable. And it was one of the best reunion specials I think I've ever seen. For the last six months, we've got nothing but like live reads via Zoom of the Princess Bride or live reads via Zoom. Yeah, that's of, true. You know, uh, here's like Legally Blonde 2, but the original cast is back to talk about Legally Blonde 2. Legally Blonde 2? I'm just making up an example. But, um, you know, that was just a top notch reunion special. Um, and yeah, I, I just what I, I think I'm amazed by what I'm really coming to terms with is uh, how little my Aaron Sorkin fandom is actually concerned with movie making. I know. I just really don't care about movies when I watch an Aaron Sorkin movie. <laughs> it's interesting. I don't think I'll ever wane on that. And I don't think you'll ever wane on that either. Yeah. Because I'm watching like it's a movie. Right. And as a matter of fact, it is almost the definition of a movie. Right. This is this is what it is. Then <laughs> Aaron Sorkin makes like like quality candy uh-huh. to a degree uh but like man like i just I, I, but social network is not quality candy though i would say it is i know it's a film that's a film in yeah. my opinion no <laughs> they're all films i understand no, I no i'm just saying that the filmness of it all is just not really tied to my enjoyment of them yeah well that is part of it with the social network for me though yeah yeah i just think that direction is fantastic you know also the screenwriting of course but yeah it's a it's an incredible movie but fincher reigns them in is the other thing yes you know yeah, fincher yeah. makes this material work mm-hmm. in a way that i don't think any director has ever made his material work no that'll still still to, to to date one of the most perfect blendings of screenwriter and director right but it's also a fincher film 
Yeah, it is. Like some some people like to argue that that's not the case, and I think thematically it's something Fincher's very interested in. Hundred percent. So yeah, um, but yeah, I say this all the time. Like I'm 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 I go to a movie for an experience, and this is not much of a cinematic experience for me. I get it. So I totally get it. Uh, what do you think of the performances? <laughs> um, okay. As I as I always feel about Mark Rylance, he's good. But I thought he was really good in this. I am not remembering him in this movie, though. Okay. It's not like I walk away like, yo, Mark Rylance. Oh, my God. He was so good in The Trial of the Chicago 7. You should see it for him alone. It's like, no, he's, he's fine. He I will admit he showed up and I thought he was Richard Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. And then about 10 minutes in, I'm like, oh, no, that's the guy from Bridge of Spies. I finally understand the Bill Kunstler joke, by the way, in Big Lebowski. I had no idea what that meant yeah, 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 yeah. until seeing this movie. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, that's why he wants Bill Kunstler. I get it. I yeah, get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I want Bill Kunstler, Ron Kuby. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah. um, every- do you think like the dude has read the works of Abby Hoffman? Do you think he read like destroy this book or burn this book? What's that? Steal this book. Steal this book. Sorry. Uh, no, I don't think he has. You don't think so? Actually, yeah, he def- definitely has. <laughs> more than, more than we certain. know Walter hasn't. Oh, no. Or no, if no. Walter has, like, Walter <laughs> may have planned an assassination plot of, of Abby Hoffman at some point. Walter is the judge. Let's just be honest. Yes. <laughs> That's easy. He's, he's a similar character. I Certainly. Think. Similar character. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, yeah, everyone's fine. I thought Eddie Redmayne was... Uh, the accent's a little weird, but... I thought he was actually not good at this movie. Yeah, I sort of shrugged him off. He has his moments, but all in all, yeah, like, whatever. I thought it was very not good eh, i can i can take it or leave it do you buy that jane fonda would want to marry a guy like tom hayden the way eddie redmayne plays him no okay but think about who he is as a as a as a public figure i suppose that's what that's all she cares about are they still married i think they got divorced right maybe tom hayden and not in fonda i don't care is he still alive i don't care about those two sorry keep going uh and then I, John Carroll Lynch is, you know, fine. Always John Carroll Lynch. Okay. Um, are you thinking the performances in this movie are consistently whatever? I have a very strong opinion on which performances are very good and which performances yeah. are very bad. And I want to see if we line up on this. Because there has been some disagreement. Uh, I, I, What's the best performance in this movie? Ooh, best performance in this movie. I mean, for, for me personally... um. Damn, who is the best performance in this movie? Uh, uh, who, who, uh, Jesus, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I think Frank Langella is the best is performance. Is it Frank Langella? I think so. It's either that or the, the, uh, the guy that played Bobby Seal. Yeah, Bobby Seal, I think, was my number one. I think it's Bobby Seal. Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen, is that his name? Yeah, I think I was going Bobby Seal, and then, uh, especially in the scene where they're, they're fucking gagging him. Oh, my God. That actually happened. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, okay. That was terrible. Yeah. But yeah, he's incredible. Also, another great scene is when he's in the prison, and he goes, so you guys all have the same father, right? Yep. Remember that? That's just great Sorkin writing. I That's know. so good. Even at the beginning where he's leaving uh, uh, the, the Black Panther organization and telling him it's going to be okay, and telling him, I'm not, I shouldn't need a gun. I don't need that, you yeah. know? It'll be, it would be bad if I did. But when he goes like, yeah, you understand that daddy issues are different than a, a noose around a tree, right? And it's like, fuck, dude. That's just great. That's just great Sorkin. Yeah, I know. Very, very like, like, like smart assy. And, but also <laughs> but genuinely moving Yeah, Sorkin exactly. Too. Yeah, like, like he can get there. 
if I you know. allow him to. I know. I know. Well, he allows himself. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, I think those those are my those two, two favorites. Yeah, those are my two as well. The worst performance, I don't think it's even remotely close. I think there's a clear winner here. Well, I think there are two candidates. No. One performance might actually be sneaky good. I think it's possible we look back in 10 years and we think Jeremy Strong was doing good work here. Oh, Oh, I think, okay. that's, I think that's possible. Oh, I, I think, yeah, Jeremy Strong's perfectly fine. That's not the one I'm... Because I, Jeremy Strong's doing some weird fucking shit with that voice. No, it's 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 charming, and it's funny, and I, I sort of, I, I thought the character was full of shit, but um, okay. when he's on screen, it's like, he's, it's hard not to love him, you know? Okay. He, he, he's a character, and he's, he's, he sort of defines himself well in the movie. I cannot say the same about Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh my God, he's so bad in this movie. <laughs> Wow, I couldn't believe how bad he was. I was talking about him in the review, and I said, this is the weirdest accent I've seen since Anaconda. What, it's not that bad. No, yes, it is. Come what on, is this not, thing? It's Chicago. He's, he's, he, no, he's jumping in and out of his stupid British accent to the Chicago accent. Like, randomly, I'm like, oh my god, it's 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 driving me insane. Bro, he was in between filming Borat while he was making this. He's an actor. You can't blame I don't care. <laughs> no, I can't blame Dude, him. Dude, he was just <laughs> in a hotel room with Rudy Giuliani. Whatever. And then, come on, then he's acting against Frank Langella in a courtroom. If you have the audacity to do that, you should be able to pull off a fucking accent, okay? <laughs> um, you can't fault the guy that much. Yes, I can, and I am. This is a terrible performance. He just said the phrase, my wife, <laughs> This is a, 50 times the day before. This is an objectively awful performance. It's not good. I think it's really bad. And it's, it's, actually, it's actually quite distracting. He almost kills every scene that he's in for me. Almost every time he was popping up on screen, I'm like, Jesus, you're not working. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, no, it's 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 not particularly good. No, dude. It's, <laughs> it's really, 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 really bad. I like this cast. I like these people in most things. I I think. Uh, I think you're right, though. I think we're on the same page there. God, I was so I was getting so annoyed, and he's in a lot of the movie. Yeah, and I'm not kidding. He's the main character in the movie, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not kidding. Every time he he, he you know, starts flapping his mouth. I'm like, it, it, it's bad. It's just bad. I don't know what you want. Abby Hoffman may have annoyed you, though. Oh, that's, that's definitely true. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Maybe it is actually a legitimately good performance because Abby Hoffman was that annoying. Um, well, it, the, I know Abby Hoffman would have got on my nerves. Um, I guess. The thing you have to understand, though, you know this, Nico. Every character in an Aaron Sorkin film is an extension of Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, certainly. So, yeah, I get it. I've watched some Abby Hoffman clips, though. He definitely, yeah, he definitely nailed the voice. I'll say that. All right. I will say that. It's really annoying. <laughs> he does not work in this movie at all. Let me pull up some Abby Hoffman. Let me see if you agree. If he nailed the voice. Yeah, because I, 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 I don't know. I agree with you. It's not a particularly great performance. That accent was so weird. Uh, all right. This is uh, here we go. This is actually a scene that they reenacted in the movie. I don't understand the ransom. You mean to to take to rip the, rip off this city for a hundred grand? Yeah. It, it's a it's a groovy thing to do. <laughs> what are you kidding? What are they going to do with it anyway? Would you have done it? What? Would you have taken a hundred thousand dollars to call everything off? I would have taken a hundred thousand dollars as to calling it off. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, how much is it worth to you to call it off? Call off a what? Million? Would you have done it for a million? Revolution? Yeah. What's your price? My life. 
<laughs> uh, he didn't get it. Okay. He didn't get it. All right. Yeah, that was a bad accent. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually noticeably whinier and different. Uh, okay, so that's Charles Chicago 7. It's it's a whole heap of whatever. <laughs> I'm, I, I might catch it on cable one of these days and be like, all right, that was a fine movie to watch as I'm sitting by my fire. Let's move on. It's disposable, man. Come on. It's it's a disposable film. There is close to zero chance this doesn't make my top ten at this point. It's out of my top ten currently. Actually. I'm just yeah. I'm just warning you right now. Like I I understand everything. Like I understand that uh, this was just a gross oversimplification of history. I guess yes, yes yes exactly. But also like it's a Sorkin movie. Oh yeah, it's a Sorkin. And it's and in a year this week, it's very unlikely it's not going to make my top ten. All right, whatever, whatever. Just warning you. Okay. All right. Um. Where where next? On the rocks. On the rocks. Directed by Sofia Coppola, mm-hmm. who uh, is in the movie Hall of Fame. Yes, that's true. Yeah, she made it. She did it. She did it. Yeah, is Aaron Sorkin in the movie Hall of Fame? I guess he is. Social, social network. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, there we go. Two movie Hall of Fame inductees. <laughs> David Burns in the Hall of Fame too, right? He is. is. Yeah, we put him in for concert films. Oh, we did. That's right. That's right. Yeah, totally. Oh wow, look at that. Look at that. Look at us. We have a little reunion here. We do. Uh, Sofia Coppola directs uh, Rashida Jones and Bill Murray star. This is uh, a movie about daddy issues on the rocks. I suppose it's a movie about uh, not wanting to date your father. I guess. Is that the commentary here? I was very unimpressed with this movie. I'm just going to say that right now. I mean, it's sort of about that. Not wanting to date your father. I was very, I was very underwhelmed by this. It's about that. It's about, you know, the, the, the issues of paranoia in a, in a relationship. Mm. It's sort of about, you know, the problem with jumping to conclusions. Mm -hmm. Um, talking about how, you know, just trust the person. It'll be okay. You know, also, you know, reconcile with your 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 past relating specifically to the father yeah it's underwhelming as fuck (laughs) (laughs) it is uh man like someone gave sophia coppola permission to make this movie 824 did as a matter of fact why how did she pitch this this is so it's, much. I'm Sophia Coppola, and I'm making a movie with Bill Murray. Now pay me. This is like the, right. This is <laughs> like I'm convinced the Seinfeld pitch was more than just them saying it's about nothing. Right. Clearly, that wasn't the case. It's that's the joke. But how do you pitch this aside from it's nothing? <laughs> it's not nothing, but like it is just a movie about uh, a, a woman being somewhat. Um, questionable of her husband thinking that he might be cheating and the father being like yeah it's possible because I've done that before so let's yeah no I get it man <laughs> like women have trust issues with men because their fathers are pieces of shit okay like I don't find that to be like groundbreaking commentary I actually no. find that to be quite trite I don't know I, I again I walked away with the, from this movie with absolutely nothing this movie's fucking weak sauce man yeah I'm sorry this movie is and I understand like that's part of the point like this is supposed to be just like a fun romp with Bill Murray and Rashida Jones and I'll sign up for that all day I just found thematically this to be some pretty weak sauce shit no it was underwhelming as hell like I, I, I just came out of it and I'm like this gave me nothing yeah it gave me very very little that I didn't already know or understand right oh boy um 
it's it's kind of amazing. I'm not kidding. It's amazing to me that someone said, let's make this into a movie. And it, it maybe it would have worked better if this was like a like, I don't know, a one hundred thousand dollar student film. Yeah, maybe that would have worked. And it was significantly lower budget with like the look of the film as well. But like like so I kept saying, Sofia Coppola, I know. I know, right, we I know, know I know. Like, are you going to spin this in a way that makes it feel interesting or new to me? Like, no, uh, okay. There are aspects of this movie that I, I like. There's a couple things here and there that I love. And I I like the notion that we're going to tell this story as like this quiet sort of contemplative thing. There are many instances where it's like Rashida Jones just walking around the streets of New York and just like, you can tell they don't, it's not like they do an, a narration voiceover where they're divulging everything that's going on in your head, but you can see the wheels turning. And there's some great moments yeah, like this that, movie but... is painfully minimalist. Though. Yes. And I yeah. love me a minimalist movie and I love me a Sofia Coppola movie. Yeah. I think like her, 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 her knack for subtlety is, is, yes. is actually admirable and, and, and oftentimes very effective here though. I just wanted a little more telling and it is kind of strange to say that I just wanted a little more of a point of view from the director's side. Uh-huh. Um, and, and a lot of times it just felt like she put the camera there in front of a, uh, in front of like a, a retro car. What do you call those things? I'm bad. Alfa Romeo. Is that the type of car that, that they were driving around? It's just with a C. An Alfa Romero, right? Alfa, is that what it is? I think so. It's what Bond used to drive. Is that know? what it is? I'm bad with cars and I'm asking for your help, but it doesn't seem like you're helping me. There was caviar on the movie, so. <laughs> right. Just felt like she just sort of stuck the camera there and let her actors do all the work. And uh, there's only so far you can get with that, you know? Yeah, I know. I don't know what to say about this movie, dude. It's, it's, it, it is that weak. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess it looks fine. Uh... Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> like like I'm serious. Like what did this movie offer that that we're not like like acutely aware of? I I, I don't right. know. Here, let, let's break this down a little uh, more God, a little okay. more in detail here. Um I want to say this first of all. Bill Murray continues to do unbelievable work in everything he's in. Yeah. And I am truly in awe sure. of how incredible he is in everything and I'm actually quite bored giving him so many compliments because he is Great in this movie for the same reason he's been great in the last 20 movies he's been in. Yep, he's incredible in this, as he always is. But can you say that about anybody else in the movie? I think Rashida Jones is fine. Yep. I think her character never transcends Sofia Coppola Avatar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could feel that the entire way through. Like, she's a struggling writer who's got daddy issues with a very rich and popular father. She's constantly living in her father's shadow felt very autobiographical mm, incredibly so. like i'm not sure if bill murray is entirely francis ford coppola <laughs> but there are definitely elements of francis ford coppola in that character i would say i agree or certainly elements of her own anxiety yeah um and i thought marlon wayans was uh bad i thought he stuck out like a sore thumb in this movie i thought he was really really bad i didn't think it was really bad you didn't think so no okay I'm under. I'm not like impressed by him. He doesn't. It's it's hard for me to call him bad, dude. It's he doesn't do anything. In That's my, true. He doesn't do anything in this movie to 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 warrant such like a negative criticism. He's he he fills his role. It's inoffensive though. The, right. pro, the problem with talking about movies like this is that they don't warrant a lot of conversation because the reaction is just so flat. It's like yeah, yeah okay. They don't have any teeth. I couldn't. Po- I, I said this in the review that I couldn't possibly get mad at this movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's like it's it's the definition of inoffensive, but in a way, maybe that makes it worse that it just it gives me so 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 little. 
And man, like, like I, I, like even Bill Murray, like I liked him in the movie. He's very good. But at, at a certain point I'm like, I just, I need more than that. Uh-huh. He's not the entire movie. Yeah. Here's what I'm offended by. Not necessarily the themes, not necessarily like any particular moment or any particular performance. Yeah. I, I'm offended that this that this movie, I don't know, it carries with it this weight of self-importance. And I don't know if yes. I'm bringing it into the movie just because it's Sofia Coppola and Bill Murray. Or maybe it's just the way that the movie is made. Oh, there's a no, there's a serious tone to this, absolutely. Which is why like hearing it hearing that it was like a comedy and I'm like I I mean, maybe some people would find this stuff funny. I certainly No, didn't. I found certain moments amusing. It's it's very dour though. Yeah. It's in, it's incredibly just like cold, you know? Like you can't turn the aperture on the camera that low. <laughs> and you know what I mean? And shoot your scenes with that much darkness and that many shades of gray. And put your characters in these extravagant locations and play jazz in the score. You can't do all that shit and then end the movie with, eh, it was all just a misunderstanding after all. Yeah. Like, it's just like such a screwball comedy ending. I know. In a movie that is just, it, it, it's, it's, not, um, it's not telegraphing any of that. No. You know, no. It, it, it is not at any point, like, preparing you for an amusing ending. Um and I have no problem with like playing around with tone. I just feel like this movie brings with it just this air of self-importance. And then by the end of it, you're like, oh, well, I guess the lessons we learned were <laughs> don't travel to Mexico with your father. Like, I, it's just very weak sauce. Like that ending is just so weak and so eye rolling for a movie that carries with it this really like artsy indie feel. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it just didn't pay off. <laughs> it didn't pay off. Because I, I felt the same thing where I was like, wait, you're going with that ending? Right. <laughs> okay. It, it, please tell me, like, the epilogue is is going to be a little more uh, uh, rewarding. Oh, he gives her a watch of of her own. Yes. Movie. Like, what, what did you have to offer? <laughs> Seriously, what did you have to offer? Not much. Not much. He, yeah. This, this, movie, this movie disappointed me a lot. It's, it's, it. It's a Woody Allen film without any of the Woody Allen charm. Right. That's all it is. Yeah, but but also Woody Allen movies don't carry with them this like dramatic flourish that that's these part, movies do. That's part of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, like the, the, the level of self-seriousness that, that this movie drags along. It's just – and and I guess that's what I'm saying. Like if you read this on the page, uh, it is just – it is kind of like a Woody Allen script. But like there's that the, – the direction and the tone suggest something much darker. Right. And it's really not. And listen, I – I'm not usually a guy that's bothered by this, but these fucking characters are so rich mm. and their locations are so extravagant. And the, like, I, as Adam just said, there is a scene in this movie where Bill Murray and Rashida Jones are eating caviar in an alpha Camaro <laughs> and uh, like or alpha Romero. And I, I'm sorry, like you need to at least give a little wink to the audience and i can't tell if that wink is there or not i don't think it is I'm yeah not. and that bothers me i mean if 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 that was the intention yeah and again this is a dig at sofia coppola if that intention was there it didn't come across right and that's a problem that's bad direction 100 percent. it just felt like sofia coppola grew up rich and she grew up with daddy issues and now she wants to talk about it and i'm like sorry sofia coppola i just don't give a shit like you should be going for something a little more real, a little more tangible and a little more weighty. It's not that it's not real. It's just, I don't know. Maybe it's real to her. It, yeah, exactly. It's like to her, it, it feels real. No, it just, maybe it's real to 
art dealers. Maybe <laughs> art dealers have this experience in Manhattan. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, I can't quite relate to it. I'm, I'm, I still think there are elements of this movie that people could relate to, certainly. I just don't think, so, or at least so here, Sofia Coppola didn't know how to tell that story. Yeah. Or at least tell it with a little more oomph. Yeah. I don't know. I get it. I totally get it. Good. We're on the same page there. It's a dull, dry, whatever movie. I'm, I will never see this again. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I'm just telling you right now. I didn't know. I assumed this movie would be worth talking about. No, I'm sorry. It's not, dude. It really isn't. It's like the definition of not being worth talk about, talking about. It's so fine. It's fine to a fault. Best picture nomination for this? No. I mean, maybe. I don't, th- I don't think enough people like it. If this gets nominated, I'll be a little shocked. But Okay. Trial of Chicago 7, you think, Will? <laughs> uh, uh, out of obligation, sure. Yeah, I actually think both get in there. You think so? I do. Especially because this year they bumped it up to 10 yeah. guaranteed nominees. Wow. It, it, yeah, the year where nothing is out there. <laughs> Shit. So so what's going to get nominated then? I don't know. I think Tenet is in play. I guess. Like that's, that's what I'm trying to tell you is that I think Tenet is in play. Like normally on a year By like default? this. default? Yeah, like French Dispatch should be here. It's not going to be here. Dune should be here. It's not going to be here. Mm-hmm. That's too bad. I'm telling you, if Fincher loses, if Fincher blows this, yeah, that's a good point. If Fincher blows this, if Mank is bad, he has no one to forgive other than himself. This was his one opportunity to get the Oscar. He's not getting it if he doesn't get it this year. He's never getting an Oscar. If he does not get it this year, he will never win an Oscar. I guess that's I'm true. telling you right now. It's Netflix, though. It's yeah, Netflix. You're right. You're right. You, you, you got to give them some credit. It's Netflix. Everything's on Netflix. I know, but these these people who run the Oscars are stubborn pricks. So we'd rather give it to the Apple TV Plus movie, or we'd rather give it to the Hulu movie, or we'd rather give it to the HBO Max movie. I don't know. Yeah, those are films. Somehow, <laughs> Mank is not a film. <laughs> All right. Uh, last movie. David Burns, American Utopia. Yes. Much anticipated. A filmed version of his acclaimed Broadway show, his Broadway musical. Mm-hmm. I think put this on for like four to five months last year. Rave reviews. Spike Lee decided to sit in and film the thing. And uh, here we are. Another David Byrne concert film. That's right. Would you look at that? We got another one. It's cool. Here we are in 2020. All these years later. We just talked about Stop Making Sense couple months ago when we did concert movies um and you are a david byrne fanatic yes so i guess uh my opinion doesn't matter so i guess it's all your opinion what do you think of this movie i think um uh as far as like entertainment and media is concerned like in terms of in in the realm of movies anyway i mean i i think that the my personal favorite is still the vast of night more because of what it is but i think if you look at the collective whole, this is probably the best thing we've gotten out of 2020. Okay. I really do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course I like this movie. I'm not quite sure if I love it, love it. Uh-huh. It's really, really good. It's actually quite fantastic. There's something kind of holding me back, but like, yeah, this movie's awesome. Okay. Uh, I love, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of things about this movie and I wasn't comparing it to stop making sense. I knew it wasn't going to be that. I mean, it's so radically different in terms of the age and the era insanely different yeah insane no not even just age and era too but just like stylistically in the direction very very different oddly like very ambitious too i was like oh, that's a choice like where they they don't they, they they artificially tilt the screen and i'm like oh yeah whoa okay that's a oh choice. no spike is doing some shit here. oh yeah uh but i also just think the 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 
the stage direction is fantastic. Really and the good. lighting setups are ambitious and creative, as, as I knew they would be. But one of the things I like about watching any Dave Byrne production is that it's like, oh, I did not see that coming. It's just creative and the timing is perfect. Like the strobe light scene is unbelievable. Or when he was watching the TV. Yeah. He set up the TV in <laughs> the corner of the stage. It's so clever and interesting. It's like, I never would have thought of that. Yeah. It's just fun to like, like get, get excited by what crazy thing he's going to do next. Uh-huh. It's, it's really like, and again, it's just this artistic expression of a concert and i just love it it's like something you can really eat up yeah and it's just again the music and the music is of course it's yeah, just also a really good concert that's yeah, the other thing really great yeah like the music's really good and sm- smart and current without being distractingly so in my opinion so. yeah 100 yeah uh you know in, in many instances he's just playing the same songs he played and stopped making sense they're Several songs that he repeats in this. Only a couple, not not that many. I think. I think Burning it, down the house is in there, and yeah, this must be the places in there. And, and once in a lifetime, once in a lifetime, obviously is in there. And but there's there are far, I think there are far more originals though. It, it, I just think like, it's kind of interesting to look at the two movies side by side and how each director decides to shoot them. Well, one has a has much more interest in the audience too. Interestingly right. enough, which I I I don't know. I mean. I, Given the venue, like as soon as I saw it, I was like, it's going to be hard to avoid the audience. So it made some sense. So it's like, okay, might as well embrace them. Right. And then the ending, uh, similar to Stop Making Sense, like fully takes in the audience. It's yeah. like it's like that perfect like climax of a moment, right. which I really liked. But I just like love like the, the 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 progression of events too, and like the way it introduces Dave Byrne with those rising chains. Yeah. And the way it sort of ascends as they towards the end of the concert where they all go up and then he joins the audience and the the concert sort of becomes one with them. Mm -hmm. It's just a nice, a nice thing to, 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 to sit through. I would have loved to have been there. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh yeah. It would have been great seeing this on Broadway. Would have been unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the audience thing is really interesting. I, I think like, you know, in some ways, and you might disagree with this. I do think that Demi gets a little too much credit for that first movie. Um, cause that thing is so burn in the staging and in how it builds and how it progresses and all the storytelling there is really done by burn. And I think like Demi is more there as a cinematographer and he's a great cinematographer at that. I suppose. Uh, I, I think more of the visual storytelling though here is done by spike. And that's just in many ways because burn himself has more of an interest in the audience this time. And I, I think is less married to this idea that you have to create a hermetically sealed like perfect artistic piece i just think like later on in his life david byrne has loosened up a bit no that's definitely true you know and and (laughs) so you know i i think he was more comfortable kind of handing over the reins to the filmmaker to just sort of do his own thing Mm -hmm. this felt very much like a spike lee movie the entire time oh yeah strangely yeah it's not like as obviously spike lee as as some of his other movies i mean until you get to the parts where they're uh chanting the names of the african-american people who had died yeah and you get like the push in shots of the people holding the bill that was yes then it's incredibly spike unmistakably spike but yeah for the most part i think it's actually a better balance there are many instances there's like okay here's david byrne again doing what he was doing back in like 1984 or whatever Uh and um and then here's Spike coming on and like doing some of those zooms and those those quick cuts and, and really messing around. Yeah, and the editing is kind of frenetic as well. And then you do that like like I said that that artificial tilt. I'm like okay, interesting choice. A lot of like um, above shots too. Oh yeah, a ton of them. I I don't think there was a single one and stop making sense. No. No, they, they, there's no aerial shots, right? But stuff like that, though, is like a distinction of direction, though. I think the the thing I will say about this one is that I'll, there are many like imperfect shots that are there in, in in documentary fashion. It's like a blending of 
the documentary look and like the setup, like like high grade production mm-hmm. of like those overheads and some of those wides and a couple of the ones from uh, behind the chains and whatnot, and then some of the inserts that they probably shot after the fact, like where he goes through the chains, right? Um, but like, stop making sense. I find very interesting in that, like, it's. <laughs> I mean, obviously they filmed it over multiple, uh, venues, but it's interesting to me, like, like there's a spontaneity to that one, but for some reason, every single spontaneous choice is like perfect. Right. Like, like the, the inserts and the cutaways, like when they go from David Byrne to, to this guy drumming, but it's not just the fact that they're going to this guy drumming. It's also where they place the camera. Yeah. There's something so perfect about everything in that movie where it just feels like coincidentally Jonathan Demi was like and I guess we're going to go over here now right. and somehow it just flowed together like wonderfully. Now I did tell you this when we talked about the concert films because we were talking about it in relation to The Last Waltz which is I think my favorite concert film ever. It, this one, Stop Making Sense I'm talking about now, did leave me a little cold and that it, it felt a little too rehearsed and a little too planned and to even call it a concert movie is kind of unfair because the experience of being at a concert is not at all what you're seeing in Stop Making Sense. Like you are, well, they are watching perform- a movie. Yeah, no. Well, they're performing it live. It's not like it's not a concert. That's yeah. That's the thing. But, I get you. Uh, I, I, but that's I, that's the point. That you're watching a movie and that's sort of where I back up a little bit where it's like I get that. But that you have – as a as a creative, you have to ask do I want to do a movie that is just a concert or leave that to the concerts or do I want to make a movie? Right. You know, so it's, it's sort of an internal battle you got to play, but it, I, I, for me personally, it's like, I've never enjoyed a concert film as much as stop making sense. And it's not even close. And I do also think that's a better movie than this one. No question. Um, I, I I just was, I don't know. I, I was happy to see someone that was a little looser. That was a little more imperfect. That was a little more, um, I guess it's collaborative. The word, I don't know that that just sort of has a, a sense of, of live events and knows how to capture them. Like Spike Lee is just, the, the guy clearly has a lot of just like sort of nostalgia for events like this. There's definitely a good balance between like embracing the event itself and the liveness of right, it. If right, that makes sense. Right. And I just felt like Demi didn't have any of that. And, and Spike clearly like goes to a lot of Nick games and goes to a lot of concerts and just has, and I I've said this, I, I think I said this to you over text last week. I think he's like low key, a better documentarian than he is a filmmaker. Maybe like, I just think like he has a way of capturing real life that is just so interesting. And just like his point of view on pretty banal moments are, are always quite lively and, and fascinating. Well, he's certainly just more interested in real life in a lot. Right. Of I mean, his entire filmography is is defined by real life. hundred percent. And then when he goes and does old boy, it sucks. Right. hundred percent. So I, I would just sort of, I found it refreshing just watching him like follow David Byrne's bare feet on the stage, yeah, me too. you know, and just, and just that, like I saw another joke online that was like, this is the most foot fetish movie <laughs> since Tarantino made one or something, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I just found that all to be really engaging and just very human. And I just found this movie to be even more human than stop making sense was. Um, not all of that is great. Like sometimes the movie lingers and sometimes like you want David Byrne just to shut the fuck up and get back to the song. There's a lot of asides. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of stories that he's telling in between. Yeah. Um, and you know, not every piece works by the way. There were a few songs that I would have liked to have seen cut out too. They're not always yeah, yeah. In- incredibly strong a plus numbers, 
but the imperfection of it, I just found very endearing. Yeah, I agree. I, I w- I'd back up a little bit on that. Like, I would say that, I mean, I find plenty of humanity and uh, stop making sense just through the performances. That's true. Like, there's so, like uh, one, the thing I, I always say about stop making sense is that it might be the most infectiously fun movie I've ever seen. And that's entirely coming through the personalities of those performing those numbers and just how they are like riding the, the, the best wave you've ever seen. Yeah. They cannot be happier to be there. And you can really feel that. Um, and yeah, I agree. It's not always the same here. What I will say is that this one's far more raw. Yeah. And those imperfections. It's more spike. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And there are more obvious imperfections, but the, yeah, I would, I would also argue that the imperfection are the imperfection of it all is not always a bad thing in many ways. It makes it better. I agree. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, man. But the, 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 the culmination of those elements where it's like, wow, like, like, some people got together and made this thing, and what a piece we have! Right, you know? it, it, it's 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 quite lovable. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. It's also one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, it's uh, and I think it's impossible that this doesn't make the top ten. It's number two for me. Yeah, okay. So number I think two. it's definitely. I don't think there are another eight movies that are even going to come out this yeah, it's, year. It's, so. that's the, <laughs> it is very very good. I I I I, I know I, I said I didn't like get to my loving something stage, but it's 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 a great film. It's really really good. Yeah. Also, like good music. I love that song. Everybody's coming to my house. I've been yeah. playing that on a loop. <laughs> I love that song. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah, that song's great. Yeah, it, it's just nice to see this too because I've been hearing about it for a long time, and I'm like, you know, I, I, being the the burn nut that I am, I need to see this because I didn't for the longest time. I was like, wait, I, I didn't realize he was uh, releasing a new concert <laughs> yeah. or doing that at all. It'd be nice to actually like experience it because I actually wanted to see this before COVID was a thing. Oh, on Broadway, you mean? Cause I, I had been going to Broadway a lot, but now I, I, I can't go back. So yeah, we'll never go back. Yeah. We have to go back, Jack. Yeah, boy, poor guys, poor, poor everybody who's, who's worked in, in, in the theater industry in New York. <laughs> what are they doing? Starving. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. Man. Sleeping in a sewer, I guess. Hoping for film deals, I guess. Sleeping in a sewer. <laughs> no, it's it's. I I know people that work on Broadway, and uh, they're not working. I should say people that used to work on Broadway. That's, isn't that terrible? <laughs> no, I know some that have moved back home. Wow. Yeah. No, there's there's yeah there's one friend of mine that yeah was on his way. He's working in advertising on Broadway, and now he's home. That's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it's awful. But that's America. That's America. 2020. America and utopia. Vote, motherfuckers. Vote, motherfuckers. <laughs> I guess. And then it'll all go away. It'll all go away. As soon, all as, as, soon as we vote for whomever. I don't <laughs> care. Uh, all right. So, American utopia. Welcome to the movie hall. <laughs> <laughs> We're not actually inducting it. <laughs> All right. Um, cool. So many. It feels like so many movies this month. This was a busy October. Well, thus concludes our week of meh. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. next week we'll uh, we'll be a little less meh. What are we going to talk about? You tell me. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to talk about. It's November. I need I need something simple, man. All right. Well, let's pick a year then. Oh God. Let's see what we have. What do we have left? Not much. Did we just talk about 2004? I think we did. Is that when we inducted Sideways? Is that when it was? Side- uh, I guess, yeah. What have we, what, what have we not done? Uh, well, we have cleared out the 90s. We have cleared out the 2000s. Wow. 
we have two years left from the 80s, one left from the 70s, and then a bunch from the 60s. 1989 is from the, the we 80s. Haven't, we haven't done 1989? We have not. We have not? No. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Let me check. Best of 1989. That seems weird. Uh, no, we definitely haven't. It's supposed to be a good year, so. Okay. Oh, yep. I guess you're right. We absolutely have not. All right. Yeah, let's keep it simple. All right. All right. You can take a little breather. Okay. Not a lot of good movies this year. Oh, boy. Looking at it right now, not a lot of good movies. Yeah. You go ahead. Uh, when Harry met Sally. Okay. Uh, do the right thing. We already let in, right? Yes, we did. So no need to do that one. Uh, okay. Blind Fury. What is Blind Fury? I think it's Rucker Hauer. It is Rucker Hauer. It's like a, it's like a blind samurai, a blind white samurai. Uh, and we also let Batman in, right? Yeah, we did. Oh God. Oh no. Well, we're in trouble. Uh, Sex Lies and Videotape will be my nomination. I haven't seen it. What? I haven't seen it. I got what? Go. You haven't? Nope. How? I just haven't seen it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, you have work after all. I have a couple. I'm, I'm realizing I haven't seen a bunch of movies this year. <laughs> Thanks again. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault you haven't watched Sex, Lies, and Videotape. You should watch it anyway. Yeah, I know. I, I would have watched it at some point. Um, Jesus. Okay. One of my favorite movies of this year, I hate to say it, as from what I've seen. Okay, you haven't seen The Abyss, right? No. I guess it... You're making me watch The Abyss? Maybe. It's not a bad movie. Whatever you want to do. Go ahead. Because honestly, dude, I hate to say it, my, one of my other options is Friday the 13th Part 6. Oh, no. Yeah. Do you want to do this? No, I don't. Halloween's going to be over by the time we do this. I don't care. I'm not like crazy about Born on the Fourth of July. I, I like Field of Dreams, I guess. I like... After that, for me, it's Dead Poet Society. <laughs> all right. That's fine. That's okay. I'll nominate Born on the Fourth of July then. That's all right. All right. All right. Then for me, uh, Dead Poet Society. <laughs> like, what else is there? Kiki's Delivery Service? I have not seen. <laughs> These are some bad movies. Yeah. Crimes and Misdemeanors we can't nominate again? No. You sure? Yes. Positive? Positive. Uncle Buck? Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Major League. Nah. Uh, I don't like years like this. We're just confused. Uh, How about Chud 2? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could do Last Crusade, I suppose. Is Last Crusade here? You could do Back to the Future Part 2, which you don't like, right? Uh, you could do Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Last Crusade. Is, Say anything you could do. I, Last Crusade's my favorite of those. So wait, how much? What is it? My turn to nominate? It's your turn. Yeah. Um. I, I, yeah. I guess Last Crusade. Driving Miss Daisy. We're not even considering, right? No. Okay. So wait, what do we have so far? Because this is confusing. We have Dead Poet Society, When Harry Met Sally, Sex Lies and Videotape. <laughs> we've already forgotten <laughs> born on the 4th of July yeah and then whatever you nominate next born on the 4th of July so uh 
<laughs> okay, Last Crusade. Because I love that movie. All right, say anything. Yeah, say anything. I have to watch two movies. What? You haven't seen Say Anything? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Adam Hall. All right. What's it about? I don't know. I don't even know what it's about. Say Anything. You, you've seen this movie. It's with the, the boombox over I've seen that image a hundred thousand times. I've not seen the movie. Come on, bro. I've not seen the movie. Okay, yeah, I'll watch it. Right. I got two movies. Oh, it's a Cameron Crowe film. Okay. Come on, man. I've not seen it. I didn't even realize that that's what it was from. <laughs> All right. That's a podcast. I didn't grow up watching those movies. <laughs> 1989 is next week. I'm trying to give you a break. I'm trying to give you... I'm like, ow, oh, he's, you know, he's 1989. Two, two, it's only two movies. It's fine. All right. That is coming next week to the Movie Hall of Fame. Until then, <laughs> I love you. So very much. Anything else you got for me? No. Anything you want to get off your chest? Oh, you know what? I'll say this. Best thing I watched this week, if you want a recommendation, if you don't want to watch any of these mediocre movies that we just talked about okay save yourself the trouble watch showtime's documentary of the comedy store oh. five part documentary on the comedy store i think four out of five episodes have aired already tremendous best thing i've seen all week all right binge watch the whole thing this past week best thing i've seen all week skip the movies that's dope <laughs> watch the comedy store documentary highly recommend all right that's it love you yeah join the discord vote in the uh the dave draft voting ends in five days how are we doing in the Dave draft? You are dominating the Dave yeah, draft. I know, I know, I know. You're dominating. <laughs> but much like Joe Biden. Oh, you think it's going to, I'm going to die? I think it's going to narrow by election day. All right. <laughs> I'm banking on the polls narrowing, but you are dominating right now. So have your voice heard. All right. Make sure you vote. Go to the Discord. Go to our website, tmt.media or too many thoughts Click join the Discord in the sidebar and get in on the action. I think I have this one in the bag. I'm sorry. We will see. I love you. And until next time. I got nothing. Play us out.